Happy Sunday, Tampa Bay. Welcome to this edition of the Duncan Duo Real Estate Show. I'm Robert Johnson, president of the Duncan Duo, here with Mike Corgan from Cross Country Mortgage. How are you doing, Mike? Good morning. How are you, Robert? Good. Happy, happy Sunday. Another Sunday here in Tampa Bay. Uh, last time I was here, we were about to go to the to the Super Bowl. It was Super Bowl Sunday, so I'm uh, I'm excited to be back with you this week after uh, after we won. And I know you and Andrew were on last week, but what a game! It was awesome. Yeah, it was a, such a super exciting time um, for all of Tampa Bay and obviously for the Buccaneers. And again, congratulations. Um, and, uh, you know, I think we can officially I saw some um, some signs on social media of some of the Tampa signs around town as you enter in. That's, you know, the city of champions. And they were able to add Tampa Bay Buccaneers up there. So what a super exciting time um, for us in our city and so much great stuff going on. And I know we talk a lot about it on the show. Um, but it is just it, it really it's worth keep mentioning and talking about how many good and positive things are going on uh, in the Tampa Bay area. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, our growth is is phenomenal. I mean, list after list after list, we keep, you know, we keep being added to, you know, best places to live, best place to invest, best place to retire, best place to, you know, buy real estate. I mean, it's, you know, I think that any time the city does something good like gets national exposure for the Super Bowl or for our sports teams or for, you know, the NHL. I mean, anything that we do that gets national exposure, I think it just brings a bigger spotlight to the area, which in turn creates more investment, creates more um, just opportunities for people and for the city um, that are already here. And I mean, it just it just creates growth. So I think any kind of I mean, not you know, all press is good press, but, you know, almost to that level, I think that anything that compounds the attention, especially during, um, you know, such a negative year, I think it's only great for the area, plus all the other great news that Florida has had um, over the past year with people investing here and moving here. I just think it's a great thing. Yeah, absolutely. I think that we're starting to see and I'm hearing and seeing news stories and things where you know, businesses and corporations. And a lot of people are looking at the Tampa Bay area and our region here um, as places to either move their headquarters to or expand or build um, and grow, which which is just going to increase um, the housing and the real estate ar around our city. Um, but certainly having all the attention has really drawn an eye onto Tampa with everything that's going on down on Water Street and, and everything else. And, you know, another thing this week, that uh, for all of Florida is we have um, we are the the sole um, exclusion areas of the weather going around the country. I have people that uh, family that live in the Midwest and, you know, all the, the terrible things that were happening in Texas. But it's just the, the whole country has been frozen, um, except for our peninsula down here in Florida has been warm. And, uh, you know, so I think it's a, another chance where people are saying, hey, you know, Florida might be the place to be. Right. Well, I will tell you, I will be honest, it did, it did cross my mind several times this week. I wonder how many of those people from California that moved to Texas are almost regretting that decision right now because they are getting some really unseasonable weather. Yes. And all the, uh, you know, of course, I don't know how exaggerated the numbers are. I don't think anybody knows and it'll be a, a while to uh, to shake that out. But I just imagine all the people that that moved that were just, you know, trying to, to change it up from the last year in California. They've they've had quite a shock in Texas this year. So I feel like just telling them, keep moving east, just keep moving southeast. We're here. We're ready to go. And uh, we'd love to have you in Florida because, you know, I mean, it would take 
something monumental to ever have that happen here. You know, it gets cold in Texas every couple of years. And I feel like every time it snows there, people say, oh, but it, it never snows here. And I, I remember the last couple of years it snowed there. So it's, it's crazy this year, but just keep moving on east. And uh, we'd love to have you in Florida investing your money. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they're halfway here, right? They, they come right. over. And it's, uh, so, yeah, they, they can keep coming. But, yeah, you know, I've heard that it's, a, you know, this was a once in a generation um, type weather snap for for Texas and, and whatnot. But uh, the weather here in Florida this week has been, uh, you know, it's been good. It's been warm and, um, you know, it's a, a normal and seasonable for us. So I think uh, a lot of people, again, it's going to harness the attention because if you look at like a heat map of the country and the temperatures, we are the, uh, the sole one that's uh, experiencing decent weather. Well, I'll tell you that, um, you know, I've been surprised and I think I, I think that last year, I don't think anybody knew what was going to happen with construction and especially with commercial construction and around the, the Tampa area um, and even some of them in Pinellas County. You know, we've had some of these really large developments that have been being built and, you know, we're supposed to come online over the past year, you know, a number of them in Water Street, Tampa, which you mentioned, uh, another uh, big area that's been slowly being redeveloped is the Heights, uh, the Armature Works area, yes. a little um, a little north of downtown and then also Midtown Tampa, which is yep. at 275 in Dale Mabry. And I think those three developments, especially, um, you know, it's, it, it wasn't all commercial space. You know, a lot of them were mixed use and a lot of them have been done in different phases, but, you know, Tampa, especially downtown hadn't had a lot of new class A office structure built since the nineties. And, you know, there was always this demand for it in the West shore area and not, not as much, uh, interestingly, downtown. So a lot of these developments were building some of the first class A office structure um, in a long, long time. And I, I think that the timing probably couldn't, obviously couldn't have been worse for some of that building to be going on. But, you know, I also um, have noticed that a lot of them have surprisingly been filling up. I mean, they just filled up almost the entire space that, um, you know, the airport in Hillsborough County Aviation has been building at the airport of Class A structure. Um, that's been filled up. Uh, some of the space in Midtown Tampa has been filled up. And then Pfizer just came up and took an entire building in the Heights District, which originally was going to be a WeWork building. And WeWork abandoned those plans when they were having all those issues last year, pre-pandemic. Um, and Pfizer has come in and I believe they leased the entire building, which is wow. a huge, it's a huge get for Tampa. It's a huge um, congratulations from the people that have obviously been working hard to lease that space and development in the Heights District uh, Armature Works. And that's, that's a huge, um, I think, indicator of where our where our market could go, um, how people are still investing here, large national, uh, international corporations are wanting to invest here. And I think to be able to do something like that, to start filling these spaces in the pandemic when, you know, I think other markets are struggling. And of course, ours, you know, established businesses are struggling. Um, established offices have not come back in full yet by any means. But I think to be able to get that seal of approval from businesses that want to invest somewhere and they're picking our market, especially something like Pfizer, who has, you know, I think they said that there was going to be eight locations of whatever they're doing. I, I don't know details, but whatever location and office space they were picking in Tampa Heights, 
there was going to be eight of them around the world. So I think to be one of those that was chosen for that much space is a huge plus for the area and a huge congratulations to, you know, who's ever um, doing that development. And I think that, you know, more and more is going to come. Yep. And that's just going to bring more people into our market, right? It's going to be bring more people that are going to move here. It's going to bring more people that are going to contribute to the local economy. Um, and it has such a trickle down effect with, you know, um, filling up the restaurants and, and, and the bars and the shopping and all of that. And we'll continue to see that go. And, and so when you see that job creation um, happening like we are and, and you know, to, to piggyback on your your sentiment, congratulations to, to Tampa and, and the group that's putting that other. I think it's just going to make it for the people that have already been here. You know, people like you and I that that do already live here and have been here. It's just going to make it a better place for all of us to live. Um, and super excited on what the future uh, for Tampa Bay holds. Well, I think what's different about our market, especially when you look at Florida and you look at where people invest in real estate, um, I think what's different about our market, especially in downtown Tampa, is that there's not a ton of condos. You know, there's a couple condo buildings but in downtown Tampa, but that's it. Most of them are apartment buildings. Um, which actually some people, you know, some people don't love apartments. They think, oh, all these, you know, developers building apartments. But I'm going to tell you a lot of our buildings in downtown Tampa are uh, commercial buildings and apartment buildings. And I believe there's only, uh, especially if you take out channel side, I think there's only one building in the downtown core that is condos or maybe two and one of them is smaller. So a lot of those other buildings you see are apartments. And I think what separates us from a place like Miami or a place like Orlando is that people are not buying second homes, you know, in downtown Tampa. That's people that are, you know, leasing there or buying there. They're a lot of times working there. They're living there full time. Um, Tampa itself, the people that are moving in, even separate from St. Pete, you know, St. Downtown St. Pete is so amazing and has, it's so walkable and, you can spend so much time there, but a lot of those homes are second homes. You know, there's not a lot of full-time people that live there. Um, and there's not a lot of commercial businesses down there. So downtown Tampa has an energy that is, I think in Florida, you know, you can go to Miami where there's all these skyscrapers and they look so pretty, but there's, you know, they're, they're part-time homes. And I think the, what's happening in downtown Tampa is, you know, it's becoming people that are living there full-time they're walking around, you know, there's always stuff that's going on down there because they're always occupied. They're always there. So I think that that's what sets it apart. And I think the more businesses that are moving in um, just creates more of those opportunities and creates a whole range of different real estate options that are available from people that are wanting to reinvest and buy something, ex you know, less expensive and put their, their touch on it to people that want to live, you know, in a luxury high rise. And I think all those things create kind of a dynamic you know, a dynamic development that's, that's happening there that's different than what you see in a lot of other areas in Florida that that have been traditional second home markets. So, yeah, and I think that's what makes the Water Street project so um, awesome and appealing, too, is that they are um, investing in that because more people are going to be living downtown, be there permanently. They're investing in green spaces. There's going to be parks. There is going to be shopping. There's going to be that stuff that's there. So they're making it truly a place where you can live and thrive and you don't have to leave the downtown area to go do everything that you need to do um, to sort of live life. So they're investing in there and the infrastructure in that. And I think that um, for years to come, downtown Tampa um, is gonna have a spotlight on it. And it's gonna attract a lot of people and there's gonna be a lot of demand um, that goes out and it's really gonna be uh, a place to be. 
all positive this week, Mike. So yes. we'll continue this conversation when we get back right after this quick break. And we're back here on the Duncan Duo Real Estate Show. I'm Robert Johnson, president of the Duncan Duo here with Cross Country Mortgage. Mike Corrigan, thanks for joining us again this week on the Duncan Duo Real Estate Show. Before the break, me and Mike were just talking about different developments that are happening around Tampa and how much you know, people are investing, you know, in the general area, which has just been phenomenal over the past year. But, you know, with that investment comes, you know, mortgages and rental and just making a lot of different decisions. And I know that this week was actually a um, a week where rates rates rose a lot. I think earlier this week, I had seen that they had risen at a at a pretty fast pace. Of course, you know, it doesn't look like that much on paper, but hearing that they rose is definitely, um, you know, it definitely, you know, creates, uh, creates angst among people that have kind of been on the fence. So they jump off and they go and they are, they're attempting to look for something, but what happened with rates this week, Mike? Yeah, they, they certainly did take a, um, a pretty big move and it, it certainly opened the eyes for, for us that are in the business and, and are watching these things and looking at things, um, every single day and, and they moved, um, you know, darn near a quarter percent, um, you know, higher in, in a very, very short period of time. Um, and so you're going to see that. And um, that's why I love what, that we're on every week so that we can bring you what's actually going on, because, you know, all the reporting that comes out is always from the previous week. And so um, lots of times when you see the headlines in the media and the things that come out, it's a week, it's a week behind and it's not really up to date on what's actually going on. So, um you know, we've talked about this before on the on the show that we think interest rates, you know, long term interest rates for mortgages um, are going to stay lower for longer and everything else. But it's not you know, it's not always going to be a straight line across where they're going to stay low and not bounce around. They are going to bounce around um, a little bit over the course of time. And what you saw this week is there's been a lot of economic reports that have come out that have shown that, you know, our economy may be a little bit stronger than what a lot of people thought. Um, that the recovery, um, you know, after the pandemic, a lot of things are happening that, um, you know, was maybe on the upside surprise of things going on, which is ultimately a good thing. And, you know, there was a report that came out on, um, you know, earlier a week, one of the inflation reports on um, PPE that, and, and that came out and that was much higher by about three times what was expected for inflation. Um, and if you follow mortgage rates, the number one enemy of, of mortgage rates is, is inflation um, and, and yields on bonds. So as inflation goes up, mortgage interest rates are going to go up. Um, that, that's going to be there. And so it went up quicker than normal. Now, do we think rates are going to you know, skyrocket and be you know, 5% uh, you know, here by, by March or April? Absolutely not. I think that you'll start to see things that w will settle down and we'll get things through there. But um, the number one, you know, benchmark that mortgage interest rates seem to be tied to is the 10-year Treasury bond, um, and the yields on that have risen quite a bit um, over the past four weeks, which is it's because of all the reports and the things that are coming out. So you have seen mortgage interest rates rise, um, you know, a, a little bit that's there. But again, when we put this all into, sometimes we get into this tunnel vision and looking at it, and yeah, if you compare them to what they were you know, three weeks ago, yeah, they're higher. But when you you kind of come back out and look at it on the bigger picture, rates are still dramatically low. Um, and, and, you know, on the long-term horizon, it still makes a lot, a lot of sense. And the affordability is still very, very great um, for people to buy a home. 
Well, and I think, you know, what speaks volumes to that is when you talk about rates skyrocketing and you say 5%. I mean, somebody who historically watches, you know, interest rates, especially if they looked at a graph over time, I mean, 5% is still, you know, ridiculously low. Now, I think that would be a big shock considering what's been going on the past few years. But historically, long term, 5% is a low interest rate for something like a home. I mean, you know, that's, uh, like I said, back in the day, I mean, people had parties when they went below 10% in real estate offices, because that was just unheard of. And, you know, at some points in the 80s, I mean, because of inflation, like you mentioned, I mean, there was a time when, when, you know, interest rates on on mortgages were 18%. I mean, it's right. crazy. So right. to talk about 5%, I think that that's, that right. would yeah, be a stretch, you, it, but yeah, if you if you go out and look at you know a thirty year chart or a twenty year chart, you're right. Five percent is still extremely low, and we're well below that. We're still in the threes and in the low threes at that. Um, you know what's going to get there, and and you know, but the thing is, when you're going to buy a home, you know, you're buying a home at a specific period of time, and so what matters at is at the time you buy the home and you lock in your interest rate then. So I understand why we report on it constantly, and people get a little bit you know, intimidated, they start to see it move one way or the other. But, um, you know, overall, we think over the long term that the rates are going to stay, um, you know, at lower levels and, and they're going to be there. And, and, you know, they'll probably eventually drift back lower, um, you know, than, than where we are from here. Awesome. So, Mike, if they want to talk about um, getting a mortgage or they want to, especially now with rates having ticked up a little bit, if they want to jump on the, off the fence and, and refinance, how do they get in touch with you? Yeah, we would love to talk to you and run the run the scenarios, no cost, no obligation to see if it makes sense for you. You can always reach me at 813-377-7324, or you can go to crosscountrymortgage.com. Again, it's crosscountrymortgage.com, um, and you'll be able to reach out to us directly. Awesome, and we'll be back right after this quick break. And we're back on this edition of the Duncan Duo Real Estate Show. I'm Robert Johnson, president of the Duncan Duo, here with Mike Corrigan from Cross Country Mortgage. Thanks for joining us this Sunday and every Sunday. We love to talk real estate with you here at Tampa Bay. And before the break, we were talking about, you know, just changes in mortgage rates this week, what's going on, um, how they rose a little bit this week, um, and then where they're probably going to go from here. So, you know, when interest rates rise, it's interesting because we always think in the real estate industry, uh, well, experienced people know that a lot of times when rates rise, it actually creates a short-term kind of jump in activity yep. because people really actually get off the fence and um, and make some moves because they, they don't want to have FOMO. They don't want to feel like they missed out on the low rates. So, you know, they've been waiting on the sidelines and all of a sudden they see that they're raising and they want to jump off the fence and they want to go um, go buy something. So it's kind of the opposite of what you would think um, on Main Street would happen when rates start rising. So, you know, if you're if you're analyzing everything and you're trying to decide whether maybe you should jump off the fence and you should go down the route of buying something instead of renting for another year. And I think that that's a great goal for the year. Um, is actually buying property. Um, so there was an article this week um, on CNBC, and it was, should you buy a home or keep renting, have to decide in seven steps? And I think this is a great article um, for people that are maybe on the fence, because it goes through seven things that you might need to decide if you're on the fence. So number one, will you even qualify for a mortgage? So Mike, what goes into some things that can... Um, 
that would be main things to qualify for a mortgage for somebody? Yeah. So when you're qualifying for a mortgage, really, it, it, it comes down to, you know, they're going to talk and they talk about this in the article, but job stability, right? Can you, you know, do you have, um, we have to provide on the application two years employment history. It doesn't need to be at the same job. And if you've recently graduated from, from school or a trade school or whatnot, we can use that, but you know, they're going to look for job stability. Um, so you have to have a steady income that comes in. Um, the second thing is credit history. You know, do you have a credit history? What is on your credit history? And, you know, we've talked before about credit scores and whatnot, and there's lots of resources out there and we can help you take a look at your credit make sure everything is accurate on there, but they're going to look at your credit history and, you know, how in the past have you taken on credit and then ultimately paid it back? Um, you know, and then another big thing is, is savings. You know, what are your, what are your assets? How are you going to pay for, you know, a down payment, closing costs, other things that go into it, um, that are going to be there. So, um, you know, that, those are really the three main things that are going to go into when we're taking a look at, you know, do you qualify for a mortgage um, and taking that, that step? Well, and I think that brings us to number two on the list, because number two on the list is can you afford the closing costs? So a lot of people, uh, I think that there's a um, misconception on, you know, how much down payment money you need. You know, a lot of people, we we hate this, but they think that they need 20% down to buy a home. And right. that really can't be further from the truth. They only need, I mean, sometimes they need zero, you know, Correct. especially if they're using VA, but you know, they really only need about 3% in order to qualify for an FHA loan. But people always do forget that they might have that 3%, but they actually also need money for closing costs. And those add up to several percentages, um, you know, on the, uh, on the closing. And a lot of people can ask the seller to pay those closing costs. But now in a really competitive, um, in a competitive market, you know, that's not always the best decision. So how much would they need for closing costs on a property, Mike? Yeah. So it, it, each situation is a little bit different. The article talks about 3%. And I think that's a very fair number um, that you can plan on in addition for closing costs. And so when you're buying, you know, a $250,000 house, if you have 3% total costs going into it, that's an additional 7,500. So, you know, yes, you might have your 3% safer down payment. Um, and again, on 250,000, which is 7,500. But then if you have an additional 3% is another 7,500. So you're really looking at 15,000 that you would need to have as an assets to come down. Um, but you're right. And I think it's important to mention again, so many people that we talk to think you need five, 10, 20% down even, um, to buy a house. And that's just not the case. Even some of our conventional loan programs now for first time home buyers, you only need to put 3% down. FHA allows for three and a half percent down for all our veterans, um, or active military. And we have a ton of them out there in Tampa Bay. Um, if you have your eligibility from the VA, you can actually get 100% financing. There's no private mortgage insurance and, and a VA loan just does um, terrific things for you. So there are many different options out there for low, low down payments. And like you said, you know, the sellers can contribute towards closing costs. It does make it more difficult in a competitive market. It doesn't make your offer as attractive, but we still do see it. Um, and so if that and that's one of the things if you call and talk to us about and we're looking at your situation, We'll look at all of that and strategize accordingly so that you can go out there and, you know, um, get what you want. Absolutely. Number three on the list is, can you afford the neighborhood? So some costs such as down payment, closing costs, home inspection and appraisal, you know, those are just what you're doing to get into the property. You know, can you long-term afford 
the area where you want to buy. You know, if you're going to be close to the water, can you afford the flood insurance and the rising cost of flood insurance? If you're going to live in a really, um, you know, an area with CDD or HOA, can you afford if those go up long term? Uh, what about taxes? What are the taxes in the area? And in Florida, what's the cost of the insurance on that property? You know, is it an older home that's going to have higher insurance? Is it going to be a newer home that's going to have lower insurance, but maybe it's not in, you know, a neighborhood of character, which you, which you really desire. So I think it's important to know what the cost to live in a certain neighborhood or in a certain type of home are, because that obviously impacts the affordability, which you can qualify for on the mortgage. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the biggest things in our area, because there is just so much water around um, being there is flood insurance, right? And a lot of our area is in, um, you know, a FEMA flood zone and we, and we need to be, um, you know, you need to be cognizant of that because if you are in a FEMA flood zone, you know, you're going to be required to carry flood insurance. And um, so that depending on, on the elevation and whatnot, that can be quite significant can be there. And we always recommend to people, even if you're not in a flood zone, um, to look at getting flood insurance because, um, you know, you still can flood just because you're not in a flood zone. So those are things all to take into account as you start looking in different areas of buying a home. Well, and in our area, that's great advice on flood insurance. And we can point you to, you know, we insure, which we um, which we take care of in our office with Angela. But, you know, flood insurance, I always go back to the people in Houston a couple of years ago who had those just I know we're talking down on Texas, but they had these just catastrophic floods, not even from, you know, a massive hurricane. It was just a, a small you know, tropical storm or hurricane that just kind of sat over them for days and days. And it wasn't a wind event, but it was just feet of water in these areas that had just never flooded before. And I think about how all those people, I just, you know, I know that a lot of them probably didn't have flood insurance because it wasn't required, but that's something that I would always look into not to go on our, on a rental or excuse me, a, a insurance rant, but definitely. Well, important. and even so even locally here. So in, in, um, Last fall, we had, and I, I'm blanking on the name of the storm, but it wasn't even a hurricane. It was a tropical storm, and it came in. You're right. I live in Reddington Beach, and it, it was never even a hurricane. But when it came through, it came through at the time of high tide. And for the people that right. were living on the water, there was there was some, you know, some devastating um, things that happened in a relatively, um, you, you know, not a huge storm. But a lot of people got flooded out and everything else. And um a lot of people are mistaken, especially if you haven't been a homeowner before that, you know, hurricane insurance that you'll get with your homeowners, um, it, it covers, you know, water from the storm, from windblown damage and everything else. It does not cover um, from flooding. And so it is important that uh, that you do have the flood insurance. Well, and not to freak everybody out, because, but I do think as we're talking about what you need to have set aside if you're going to be, you know, debating on buying or sticking to rent. You do need to set aside some money for insurance deductible, especially when you talk about, you know, a hurricane deductible, because if you ever check your policy, the hurricane deductible, um, which which that locally would probably be what you're actually using your homeowner's insurance for most of the time. Of course, that's not all the time, but as far as natural disasters locally. Uh, on a large scale, that's what a lot of us would be looking at. But the hurricane deductible is actually much higher than your regular homeowner's insurance deductible. So it's it's good to know that. It's good to have a plan in case one day we do have a very destructive hurricane because it probably is only a matter of time. So that's something that everybody should, 
take into consideration, you know, what's your actual hurricane deductible on your homeowner's insurance. So it's a great tip, Mike. Yep. Number four, how long do you plan to stick around? So when you're buying a home, you need to at least plan to be there a couple years in a normal market. Obviously, this market is has not been normal for about a year. And, you know, prices have appreciated um, very quickly uh, because of lack of inventory. But in a normal market, you want to plan to be there. I think they say the magic number is usually about five years because, you know, home home prices can appreciate, you know, two to 3% a year, sometimes three to 4%. And when you buy a home, you have closing costs, but when you sell a home, you also have closing costs and taxes and a whole bunch of other stuff um, that's going on the closing statement. So, you know, if you don't want to come out of pocket with, with a, with a large amount of money, you need to stay there for probably five years in a normal market. You know, sometimes you can get away with about three years, but you know, if you want to leave there, make some money uh, for a down payment on your next property. So you're not all, you're not spending it all paying your, you know, your cost to sell a home. If you want to actually leave with some down payment for your next property, you want to stay there about five years. I think that's actually pretty typical. Yep. Yeah. I think it's important to, to take those things into account. If, you know, if you're only planning on staying a place for one year, especially if you're planning on you know, moving to the other side of town or out of out of town, out of state and everything else, maybe it doesn't make sense to buy. Um, maybe it makes sense to continue to rent if, if you know that is going to happen, um, that, that's going to be there and you should, you know, plan, um, like you had said, at least three years or, or, or more, um, you know, if you're going to actually buy. Absolutely. So we'll be back right after this quick break for the rest of this list. We have five, six and seven coming up on the Duncan Duo Real Estate Show. We're back here on the Duncan Duo Real Estate Show. Thanks for sticking with us and coming through to our final segment here. But I was talking to Mike during the break, and I think, Mike, you gave out the wrong site earlier when you were talking about how to get in touch with you. So well, I did. I gave, out our corporate, yeah, I gave out our corporate site. You can reach us locally. I gave out at crosscountrytampa.com um, to reach out to us locally. Jennifer Wonderland, who works closely with uh, all the members at the Duncan Duo, you can reach us there at crosscountrytampa.com. Dot com. Um, and you can also reach me directly at 813-377-2743. Again, you can always call me at 813-377-2743. Yeah. And if you went to the other site, you know, they'll redirect you to us, but it's easier to go to crosscountrytampa.com. You know, you can be co connected directly to them easier. So For sure. appreciate that. So number five, how important is the freedom to renovate? You know, we're going through this list talking about uh, cost when you're weighing actually purchasing versus continuing to rent. But number five is how important is the freedom to renovate? So, you know, if you want to tear down walls and, you know, tile things, redo the floor, paint everything, you know, you have the freedom to renovate that when you own the property. You know, sometimes you go in a rental and I don't think, I, I think everybody kind of goes through this, but I know when I rented a lot during college and right after college before uh, I got married. I I didn't I didn't realize the value of deciding yourself what you want to do to your property. And I think that once you become a homeowner, it's this weird feeling that you kind of have like, oh, I don't have to ask anybody if I paint this wall. Like you can just do what you want. So. I mean, I think that that's a common thing. I remember even in the house I have now, I remember sitting there 
looking at the property, wanting to change stuff. And this was, this was our second house and we're in our second house. But I remember thinking, wow, this is mine. Like I can do, we can do whatever we want to it. And, and there were so many things we wanted to do. So how important is that freedom to you when you're in a rental? And I think that's actually a value that's not measured. I think that's only going to be something that you know that, that ownership would be to you. But I think that that's something that a lot of people can't put, uh, put value on. And I think that's one of the great things that you need to consider you know, about being a homeowner, which is actually a great thing. Yep, absolutely. Number six, are you up for the maintenance? Okay, so part of that um, that renovation fund, uh, especially getting to change whatever you want, is actually maintenance and actually having to maintain something so you don't spend a lot of money in the end having to either, you know, redo poor maintenance on your part or, um, you know, having to cover for maybe poor renovation things that you end up doing or just keeping money aside to do long-term maintenance, like replacing a roof or replacing an air conditioning. You know, that's one thing that you don't have to worry about when you're a renter that, you know, unfortunately that's part of being a homeowner and part of, uh, part of budgeting your money is actually budgeting for maintenance because when you own a property, that's something that, you know, long-term, it's not as fun to do as something like a bathroom renovation or a kitchen renovation or changing a paint color. But long-term, that's actually what is going to hold the value of your home is how well it's maintained. You know, that kitchen renovation or bathroom renovation is going to look really dated in five years, I hate to tell you, but how your house is maintained is the bones of the property. And that's something that you definitely have to, you know, budget for and be prepared to, uh, to tackle. Yeah, and I, that's why I think number five and six on this list are so good because it kind of gives you both sides of the argument, right? And number five of, of, you know, are you willing to give up the ability to change it the way you want to? You know, you don't have the freedom to renovate if you're you're renting or uh, do walls or maybe certain colors or anything else. And then so you don't have to do that. But then on the flip side of it, if you, if you want the ability to be able to do that, if you do own, you have you're responsible for the maintenance. You know, you don't get to call. Um, your your landlord um, if the fridge breaks or the air conditioning breaks or whatnot. So it's things to think about as you're going to decide, are you going to buy a home? You know, ultimately, what is important to you? Um, and and with number six, you're going to be up for the maintenance. You, you, you're you're going to be responsible for it. And like you said, it's important to keep up and maintain your home. Number seven, last but not least, are you comfortable with some market volatility? And I think right now this is really important because we talk about monthly affordability and, you know, with interest rates being low, prices are high, especially with the competitive market. So are you comfortable jumping in and, and you know, riding the market volatility ride? And I think that, you know, you're not always going to jump in, buy something and it keep escalating at 10%, 15% a year, like it did over the past year. I think you have to be prepared just like the stock market that long-term there's no quicker way in the United States of building wealth personally than owning your primary residence and staying there long-term. That's been true over time. Uh, there's been study after study after study. Um, if you own your own property, that's the quickest way to build, you know, your own net worth as an individual. But I think that also on the flip side, you can't expect to sell it next year, you know, and make 20% on the property. There's going to be some years where if you sell it, you're going to make less than when you, you know, 
than when you bought it. If you have to sell next year, but the market goes down by 2% because you know they build a lot of homes or a lot more homes come on the market, you have to be prepared for that and you have to be prepared to stick it out. So that is a risk, but that's part of, again, owning a property. You just have to sell at the right time and buy at the right time. And I think yeah, that that's, that's always important to remember. Yeah, such a great, such a great point. It's not a get rich quick scheme. And, you know, you hear a lot of those things and especially in a market now um, with property flippers or you see the, uh, you know, the, the shows on TV that, you know, on HGTV about how quick they can make a quick buck and, and everything else. And, and there's a reason that's on TV because they're unusual, but it is a longer term game. And like you said, over time, it has always gone up and it is a great way to accumulate wealth. Um, that's why they call it the American dream. Um, to own a home is because it, it always has. If you have a long enough period of time, it always has and always will go up. Um, but if you are going to be in a point where you have to sell at a very specific time, that is a market downturn because it's not it doesn't go up in a straight line, doesn't go down in a straight line. Um, it is going to bounce in. But over the longer term, um, it will always rise. And you can you know, estimate, you know, if you go back and look over the course of 30 years, you know, on average, it's four and a half to 5% well, nationwide. Well, and guess what? And all people always bring up, especially recently, well, what about the real estate crash? What about the real estate crash? Yep. But guess what? All those people that were in their homes then that lost all that value, if they sold right now, they would actually make plenty of money because it's yes. a long-term game. So yes. yes, if they sold during those five, sometimes 10 years, they wouldn't have made money. But if they stuck out and they sold right now, they would make a good amount of money because that's how real estate is. And um, that's probably the best example is those people actually, you know, I know that they've spent a lot of money on interest rates and everything else, but it actually would have ended up that they would have made money. It just took a long time to get there. So thanks for joining us this week on the Duncan Duo Real Estate Show. If you want to get in touch with us, we'd love to help you with these real estate needs. We'd love to help you find that perfect property. And if you're looking to sell your property, we'd love to speak with you too and help make you some really great money right now. I guarantee your home is worth probably more than you think it is. And we'd love to help you sell it and make as much money as you can with some strategies that we have. Give us a call 813-359-8990 at our office. Go to our socials, the Duncan Duo team or uh, Duncan Duo Remax. We'd love to help you or go to our website, duncanduo.com. You can fill out a home valuation form, getting the info on our properties. And then Mike, one last time, how they get in touch with you. Yeah, you can reach me directly at phone at 813-377-2743 or go to Cross Country Tampa, all one word, crosscountrytampa.com. And we'll be back next week. Thanks for joining us, Tampa Bay.